0: Welcome to the one of the most wonderful times of the year. Daylight savings. Daylight savings. I've been feeling like the Burma Shafe signs. Or even, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, and my my, uh, my father was a principal, my mom was a teacher. So in the summertime, we would go off and see relatives. And I remember the one summer we went near South Dakota, and all we were seeing was like 300 miles to wall drug 250 miles to wall drug so with my parents who would go see anything like the world's biggest ball of string to the corn palace to all that we went to wall drug and so i feel like i've been like doing that to you guys it's like hey we're getting close we're getting close you know we get to all of a sudden have lighter longer and and i i just love that i don't i used to hate leaving work and it would be dark in fact My admins would would shoo me out, and they even did it Thursday, like reminiscent, when we were in there. They would say, Bill, you need to get out now. You need to get out now so you can get home while it's light. It's like, okay, I'll do it. So now it's going to be different because, you know, I used to drive home and have a couple hours. Now I'm just home for three days out of the week. So it'll be a new normal until they allow us to get back. And they're thinking late summer fall they'll they'll have people back in the office on a regular basis so we'll see i already have some people that will never go back to the office again Uh, they work in a position that allows them to do that others no no you're coming back you know you you're in charge of people you're back so it'll be interesting but thank goodness it's coming, and then praise God that we're seeing the U.S. finally start to open up. Like tomorrow, we're leaving for vacation, and we're going back to the East Coast, and where we're going, they have stopped all requirements to wear masks. And, and factually, when you go to a restaurant, there you're indoors, and there's no limits on who can be in there. It's full capacity. So what did I do? I... Contacted a friend that, that works there, and, and she said, hey, re- just so you n- realize, when you're there, it's gonna be St. Patty's Day, and there's a great restaurant you should go to. So I booked, and then what did I book? I booked us outdoors. It was like, I didn't even think about that. I should, should've should took full advantage. But it's right there on the water. You're right there on the Atlantic. So it was like, how cool would that be just to dine outside, overlooking the water, listening to live music, so it'll be nice it'll be nice Uh, it'll be a nice change because you know they're so funny they're bragging like you don't have to wear a mask and i was telling some people earlier it's like the last time we went you know i walked into a walmart full compliance wearing my mask and i'm like i'm the only one wearing one so i like that came off real quick so but now they're even doing away with that so that's nice that's nice it's nice to see Nice to get back to to that and just praying that, you know, our state can, can do that also. We're seeing because um, one thing you realize this is rather severe. If you look and see what flu deaths are typically, they're around 40,000, you know, people a year in the U.S. And, and this is claimed over a half million lives. So it is serious. It's something to take advantage of. But I really think they just need to use smartness in this. Smartness and making sure if you're susceptible, you're out. Because I was watching a, a video clip of a friend of ours that, you know, he went to high school with uh, with Riley, but he was an exchange student from Norway. And so I was watching a clip of his, and he was at a rodeo this past week, and you would have thought it was 2018. I mean, this country is all They're all together sitting in a a stands. They're not social distancing, but they attacked it smartly. So if you're susceptible, you stay home. You stay home, and, and the healthy ones can go out. So hopefully we'll see something more like that. So where are we going today? We're going to look at the last half of chapter 19. And we're going to be looking at more promises that Isaiah was given by God uh, for Gentiles being called to the Lord and and we saw that a couple weeks ago in seventeen three, God had Isaiah write in 17 3 the fortress will disappear from Ephraim and the kingdom from Damascus and the remnant of Syria will be like the glory of the children of Israel declares the Lord of hosts so there we see Syria which is being symbolized as Gentiles will be like the glory of the children of Israel. Um, so we see that promise. We see this promise. We saw it first when it was given to Abraham, right? That he will be the father. Um, and because of his faithfulness, nations will be able to come to Jesus. So in order to explain this further, though, God had Isaiah write about their lifelong nemesis, their arch enemy the Egyptians and so he's also going to take the Egyptians the lifelong enemy and he's gonna link it to the current arch enemy which is the Assyrians and at this time to set the tempo for what's going on now like we discussed two weeks ago the Ethiopians had conquered Egypt so this was like the Egyptian force 2.0 and it was going around and it was offering its services to the world saying hey if you're sick of our our, our enemy the assyrians we're going to help you just let us know so from around 715 bc and moving forward and because it's bc moving forwards counting backwards right so as we go moving forward to 714 713 um, Egyptian egypt 2.0 was behind every anti-Assyrian scheme with the other kingdoms Um, and we know right now again say the tempo the current king of Judah here is Hezekiah Hezekiah but his father Ahaz had joined forces with the Assyrian army to repel the northern alliance you know Ephraim and 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 Damascus you know, because they wanted to come in, they wanted to scoop up the resources of, of their brother Judah, and they wanted to build up enough power that they could go and protect themselves from Assyria. However, Ahaz, we remember the scene, right? We went over this passage. Isaiah went and said, Ahaz, you can ask God anything you want, anything, and, and, and show his power. Let him show you his power. And Ahaz was acting high and mighty and said no i don't want to put god to the test when in reality he ignored god and went to assyria for help so assyria responded came out wiped out these northern kingdoms moved everybody out and put new people in so that land is completely decimated decimated so at this point in the world there are two main powers there is assyria and egypt which is backed By Ethiopia. Now, Hezekiah had differed from his father. He had left the Assyrian rule his father had placed Judah under. And now, I'm going to probably butcher this name. I love it though. Sennacherib was on his way to Judah to convince them to relent and rejoin the kingdom. And he wasn't going to ask them politely now egypt 2.0 met sennacherib and the assyrian army out in in a a place called here's another butcher i apologize eltica they met him there so you had an army ready for war egypt very valiant force chariots horsemen everything and the assyrians routed them took them out so Egypt offered no help. So, you know, get this in your mind. Here you have this Assyrian army that wiped out this force, wiped them out. And now they're on their way to lowly Jerusalem, this small little city, no real army there. They're on their way. They're feeling pretty confident, right? They're feeling really confident that, you know what? They're gonna come in and they're gonna rout this place. And better yet, if we remember well actually as we go further we're going to hear about this story and i think it's uh, isaiah 36 and it's also in second kings where you get this story about how they called them out trash talking saying hey you know what god isn't with you look what we've done we've destroyed everybody as an army we've destroyed everyone just give up we will take you we will move you out to your own land you will live in a new land, you'll have your own vineyard, you'll have your own food, you'll be fine. But if you stay, we're going to wipe you out. So they were feeling pretty confident about this. But we remember, or and we will go over it again, Assyrians lost that. They lost it, right? God came in, the angel of the Lord came in and took out 180,000 soldiers in one night and it's like what he promises right we went over this a little bit ago so God said it's going to be rough at night by the morning it will be calm so that morning woke up Assyrians that survived packed up and left and not even a single arrow was shot in this battle and God protected Hezekiah because Hezekiah had prayed to him humbled himself and sought the Lord It was funny because I was reading a story on this in in secular history books. And they said the Assyrians had a plague and they left. So what a plague that must have been, huh? 180,000 in one night died of a plague. They should have had masks. They would have been safer. But um, the history book didn't just ignored the fact of how quick this took. and just said, yeah, there was a horrible plague, and he left. So this great army that was so prideful and talking trash left, and soon after, I'm, I'm just ruining the story from when we get there, sorry. But soon after, he was put to death by his own sons. So we're going to see here, we get the end here, that God, in this example, is showing us that he can bring these two world powers together That don't like each other, that don't like each other. And if he can do that, if he can bring all these people together to worship, truly, the world in that day will be one in worshiping him. So this morning, we're going to look at verses 16 through 25 in regards to five, five in that day verses in this section. And then when we get to Through a 22, I'm gonna take you back through five marks of true belief that we see, looking from 19 to 22. So we're gonna look at the five in that day sections, and then we're gonna look at five marks of what it means to have true belief by looking back through 19 through 22. So let me go over the passage with you today. Isaiah 19, Isaiah 19, 16 through 25, in that day, the Egyptians will be like women and tremble with fear before the hand of the Lord of hosts that shakes over them, and the land of Judah will become a terror to the Egyptians. Everyone to whom it is mentioned will fear because the purpose that the Lord of hosts has purposed against them in that day there will be five cities in the land of egypt that speak the language of canaan and swear allegiance to the lord of hosts one of these will be called the city of destruction in that day there will be an altar to the lord in the midst of the land of egypt and a pillar to the lord at its border it will be a sign and a witness to the lord of hosts In the land of Egypt, when they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, he will send them a savior and a defender and deliver them. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day and worship and sacrifice and offering. And they will make vows to the Lord and perform them. And the Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing, and they will return to the Lord, and he will listen to their pleas for mercy, and he will heal them. In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians, and in that day will be the, will be the third with in that day israel will be the third with egypt and assyria a blessing in the midst of the earth whom the lord has the lord of hosts has blessed saying blessed be egypt my people assyria the work of my hands and israel my inheritance let's pray dear jesus i just want to thank you so much for this morning for the, the time to get together as your people. And as Colleen prayed earlier, that we get to, to focus on you. We get to clear our minds of the world. We get to clear our minds of, of everything that keeps, our, that keeps our focus during the week. And Father, help us to go stronger into removing those obstacles from us and as we see and hear, put our focus on you. We see a mighty people that their only focus was their greatness. And we see that in that day, it's shifted to you. May we learn from that. May I learn from that. And Father, just be with us now as we go through your word. And we see the greatness and the magnitude of you in it. Holy Spirit, just quiet our minds. Keep our focus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So as Al went over last week, we saw this unrelenting opposition to Egypt, right? Um, So what we saw from last week stops here. And we see this passage in the middle of this the promises, a restoration of Egypt and God bringing them in as his people. We saw in verses 1 through 15 of 19 um, that God used Isaiah to talk about the folly it would be to join an alliance with Egypt. Because Isaiah was pointing out that Right now, Egypt is under divine wrath. Egypt stands, what we're going to see is you can take and just put Egypt in and plug them in for all the Gentiles. And Egypt's going to be the example for Gentiles in that day. And while they're talking about being under divine wrath, there's no specific sin listed here that's causing them to be under divine wrath. So we shouldn't really assign one, but what we should do is pretend like this is a multiple choice test. And we're going to go all the way to the bottom, and we're going to choose like Z, or ZZ, and we're going to choose all the above. So all the sins are covered here. Anything that limits you from God and takes your focus off God, that's what's putting the world under divine wrath right here. Because what we need to see is the world at this time is, is not seeking God. Um, they're not seeking God for His forgiveness. They're not seeking Him for protection and worship. But th- what they're doing, they're seeking alliances. And the world will continue to do this. Seek alliances so they can stay strong and continue to only be concerned about worshiping themselves and seeing how great they are because of the strength they have. And God's showing us that in that day, it's going to start changing. And it's starting here with Egypt. We are looking again forward to an uncertain time frame, and it's in the future for us also, called in that day, in that day. So in this time frame, the passage is perfect. So let's look at 16 and 17, the first, in that day. It says, in that day, the Egyptians will become like women and tremble with fear before the hand of the Lord of hosts shakes over them. And the land of Judah will become a terror to the Egyptians, and everyone to whom it is mentioned will fear because of the purpose that the Lord of hosts has purposed against him so in this time frame we look at this the defenseless ones were women and we saw this right we saw this we went over the oracle of moab and those leaders packed up and left they left everyone so the defenseless ones were the women's and what they even called the daughters of moab who were stuck at the river of arnon unable to escape or looking for a way to to get across So we see these people are utterly defensive when these professional soldiers coming in. So Egypt will fear like them. And Isaiah is reminding us that in that day, God will strike fear and awe of him into the people of the world. And but proper fear of God is throughout the Bible. And we see that in the following verses. So in Psalm 96, 9, Psalm 96, 9 says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. And then Psalm 97, 2 through 5 says, Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him. And burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of the earth. And we've seen that verbiage used before, right? Because what does he say in the ultimate battle in that day? He says his adversaries will have a moment of clarity and realize everything they've done was wrong and then fear will get them and their hearts will melt like wax and we see the mountains of the earth will mount like wax and lightning will lie at the sky so it was really cool I think it was Friday it was Friday is is being out on the edge of the valley on a small little hill battling a golf ball and and watching the lightning that was over the Antelope Valley it, it was pretty wild And this is going to be a whole lot scarier, lightning. But it was actually cool to see that and just see God's work at hand and to know that I was safe and away from it all. So in verse 16, we also see a picture of an uplifted hand. Um, Or like we see often as we talk about this and talk about God's judgment, we see an outstretched hand, which leads to dread among the nations. And now we see here Judah, little Judah, will now be a terror to them as well. And we get that because the whole world in that day is going to come in and surround them. Over 200 million soldiers will be coming in. But we see the Lord is going to bring the fear of God to the Egyptians. And so they will get a taste and they will learn what Proverbs 1-7 is and that says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction so we see and we're going to see this later as we go through this the egyptians get this that a proper fear of god leads to wisdom it's when we lose that we lose this fear of god we lose this desire that he wants us to have to continue learning about him, learning what it says to do in worship to him in this Bible. When we lose that and put our focus on the world, that's when we can be considered the same as the Egyptians are in this day. So verse 18, in this day, in that day there will be five cities in the land of Egypt that speak the language of Canaan and swear allegiance to the Lord of hosts, One of these will be called the City of Destruction. So this is the second in that day. And we see Egypt following and gaining a healthy fear of God here. Now there is a turning to God, and we see that in the adopting of the language. That speak the language will mean that they're adopting the same language as we see the Judah has. And it may signify the beginning of a return of the world to one language that hasn't happened since the Tower of Babel. The second step of them turning to God is the swearing of allegiance to God. So basically, Egypt has made an outward promise to God, and that is the promise of turning to Him, and that's occurring in this day. Um. I think the key about the number of cities is it means it's starting out small, but the key is that they're coming. This longtime enemy is coming and turning over, and it's beginning with a few small cities, and pretty soon we're going to find out it's the whole country that's making this commitment to God. 19 through 22, the third in that day, In that day there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. When they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, he will send them a savior and defender and deliver them. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day, and worship with sacrifice and offering and they will make vows to the Lord and perform them and the Lord will strike Egypt striking and healing and they will return to the Lord and he will listen to their pleas for mercy and heal them now what we saw in 18 with five cities coming to God we will see in right here in verse 19 the entire nation will come worshiping to god from the heart and it's from the middle of the nation all the way to the borders so we see it's the entire land and then verse 20 we see something beautiful we see a reliance on god and only on god for protection they this mighty land that people would come to for help will cry out in prayer to God, cry out to Him to protect them instead of seeking help from themselves or thinking they got to do it themselves. Verse 21, we see a glorious revelation here that God will turn this nation, turn their affections, not to the things of themselves to worship, but He's going to turn their affections to Him and they are going to truly know him and they're going to truly know him because he will allow them and he will make them himself known to them remarkable so rest on that for a moment truly just think about that for a moment there are so many things that keep our attention throughout the day so many things so many things and god is turning these enemies the egyptians to him and they're going to recant from those and they're going to focus on god so that even when trouble hits the first thing they're doing they're not phoning a friend they're not checking what's going on they are turning to god and crying out for prayer knowing he's the only one that can help them that is an absolute miracle to see that these enemies of god have fully converted In verse 22, um, the thing I got out of this was, the first thing was Proverbs 3.22 is going over this. Proverbs 3.22 says, The Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So God's going to love this nation so much now that he's willing to correct it. And they will obviously listen to him and take that, that reprovement, that punishment and learn from him and come back to him, because we see them proper, we see them properly react by their pleas to God for mercy, and God listening and showing it. So as I, I said, I want to go now over back over verses 19 through 22. And look at five marks of a true faith. Five marks of a true faith. Um, Number one, the altar. I thought this was so good because Al shared with us last week about the altar and how it wasn't anything man-produced. It was made and it was a sign, a symbol of God. So 19 and 20 talk about the altar. So what the altar is, it's a place... Think of it as a place where reconciliation happens. We see that, right? Where it's, it's the honor of God. Um, and in here, the border pillar marks the place where God dwells. So in this land now, they have the border pillars and they've made altars to outwardly signify God dwells here. And the altar is a sign and a witness of a reconciliation with this holy God. And we know that the people of God in the days of Joshua made altar to as a witness to their membership of God's people. Joshua 22 34. The people of Reuben and the people of, of Gad called the altar witness for they said it is a witness between us that the Lord Is God. So this will be for Egypt and for all Gentiles coming in to the Lord in that day. So our lives and how we live them should be an example of an altar on display for others as the witness to our love for God. And it's in our life. The second one is prayer. Second one is prayer. Um, in verse 20, the latter half of verse 20, imagine this. The Egyptians have a speaking and loving relationship with the Lord. That's amazing. That's amazing. They have a speaking and loving relationship with the Lord. They are living in fellowship with God and His people. What better measure of faith than someone who daily takes the time to stop their day and praise to God for their, their family and friends. And folks, by doing that, it's an act of submission to the God of the world that you're stopping and providing that submission and having that conversation. And I say it's a miracle because I've, I've been to this place. I went with my wife. We went on a missions trip there. And it's, it's, you know, I first heard this passage from the leader of our group, because I always figured Egypt, you know, you guys are rotten to God's people. You know, you're all going to pay the price. And he preached this passage, and I'm going, oh, no, 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 that's not right. They're in trouble. Egypt, Egypt is in trouble. And as we went to this one Egyptian Christian's house for dinner, I was doing a lot of praying. Because, you know, I was going to eat food made by their hands. It wasn't going to be KFC or McDonald's. It was going to be Egyptian lasagna. I'm just going, please, please. I, and and the reason is a lot of us were getting sick. I mean, we start off, the, you know, the first visual, we went up on the rooftop to have our first meeting before we went out and, and witnessed to, to Egyptians. And this one family had brought their Younger daughter. I think she was like in junior high. And she proceeded to look over at our music pastor and just throw up all over him. So it was like, oh, she's down. And uh, Colleen was down. So you think about this is we're in Egypt in a foreign land and we're out ministering and my wife is in a hotel room, miserable. So it was like, oh, was that the smartest thing to do? But it worked out. So as we're walking through to this guy's house and I'm praying, these people are shouting at us. And was like, oh, how you doing? And the guy said, no, that's not, not a good shout. You know, we're, we're Christians or were not thought of very highly back then. So we would go into a Christian's house. They would scrape up a few dollars to go get us a warm soda to drink. It was like, I can't do another warm soda, but we're told to shut up and drink. It's a sign of hospitality. And you're finding out that this very educated Christian man, bachelor's degree or, and, and master's, and it happened almost every house we went to, there was a very educated man there. And his job with this degree, because he was a Christian, was to be a clerk in a store. Basically just stock the shelves and help people out. Because you're a Christian, you couldn't get the same jobs that a Muslim could. And so in this neighborhood, people shouting us. It wasn't saying hi, it was calling us names because we were Christians, among other Egyptian Christians in a Muslim neighborhood. One night, it was pretty wild because we had just finished a message, and we were loading up in a van. I guess the neighbors had enough of us, and we're getting the van rocked. It was like, all right, we're all happy. You go like, this is cool. It's like we're rock stars. It was like, no, you realize this van better get going, or they're going to pull you people out. So all that's going to go away. All that's going to go away. And the cool thing is, is I have a guy, he's probably passed away by now, but we made a promise that when we get to heaven, we're not talking through an interpreter. His, name was, his English name to me was George. He was an older man, loved him. I can't wait. We're going to find him when I get to heaven, and we're going to have a conversation. That is so cool. And the Egyptians in this day are doing that. They're doing that. They're truly, their hearts are broken, they're submissive, and they're praying to God about the bigger things of life. The bigger things of life. Number three is revelation. Revelation. Verse 21. God making himself known. Here the Egyptians are going to have a revealed truth of God himself to see, to know, and to worship this God that's made himself known to them. How awesome is that? Number four is service. Service. Right now, this is the most convicting thing I got out of it. Um, They're going to make vows to God and keep them. This is a public expression and a personal commitment to the service of God. And, you know, it's uh, right now in my own life, there's so many things I can do of of service and talked about service. So that's one of the things that uh, I could use prayer on is to be better involved in my community in providing service. I mean, we, we do some with, with, the, with the homeless and serving, but uh, I know I want to be more consistent in it. And so I'm going to be challenging my group to get more consistent in it. An example is also the fruit that we see in our life. These people are thrilled to be saved, and they're producing fruit that's demonstrating Jesus in their life in their new life. And and that's what we need to check on our own life daily is are we producing fruit in this walk that we have? Are we growing? Are we taking time to either plant seeds in other people or harvest other people? And then number 5 is providential discipline. Providential discipline And this is like we spoke about early in Proverbs 3.12. God will constantly shape the ones he loves. We see words in verse 22 as smiting and healing, as striking and healing. Um, Some of them may need more smiting than others, but the key is God is taking that to people he loves and they're responding back, and he's shaping them, into that deeper walk with him and to truly fully trust in him it's like look you you need to grow in this area i'm going to help you grow in this area and it's not shutting down but it's like yes yes lord thank you for teaching me i will do better so that's the five marks verse 23 it's in that day a highway In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. This oracle has mentioned Egypt a lot, but we see, and the true case and point here is that God's purpose is to unite the world And unite them for worship for him. And then we also see by mentioning these two superpowers, the true Christianity heals wounds among people. At this time in history, we knew that the tensions between Egypt and Assyria shaped all the other kingdoms in the world. Who were you for? Who were you against? And the smart countries were for whoever was closest to them at the time. But, you know, you had to choose who you were against. And that's why the Assyrians were going under Hezekiah's Judah. Because under Heihaz, they were Assyrian. And now under Hezekiah, they were their own. so as we mentioned a few egyptian cities moved to god then the nation and now we're seeing that it leads to the world coming to him so imagine in today's context you have all the nations that surround israel they don't like israel i mean that oftentimes i think we take it for granted we don't even realize until you just look it's like, okay, how many missiles were lobbed into, into Israel today from their neighbors? Um, to them, it's becoming quite normal. And now, in this time, they will all be together. The remnant that's pulled out will be worshiping with Israel to God. And so imagine, right now in today's sitting, if you had Taiwan and China getting together, traveling back and forth, and worshiping God together, or or russia with the rest of europe or both koreas coming together Um, and it'll happen everyone will be worshiping god based on the magnetism of god and his great love which will unite everyone and the picture of a highway here is a raised road much like we have today in our freeways and it will be a picture of free use it's a picture of free use, no roadblocks, no toll booths, none of that. You're not going to be in heaven and get a letter saying, you took a toll road and you didn't have your transponder. You owe. None of that's going to happen. None of that's going to happen. 24 and 25, in that day. In that day, Israel will be a third with Egypt and Assyria and a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. So this final in that day section, we'll call it the capstone. Because the, the, the fellowship they feel 23 is cemented when God says Egypt my people Assyria the work of my hand and Israel my inheritance at the beginning of this section when God's performing this work Judah was to be feared now God's people are going to be a blessing to one another as they worship together this one true God And think about this. At one point in history, we read this, that God was telling Egypt, telling Pharaoh, let my people go. Now he's saying, Egypt is my people. How blessed are we to be his people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just want to thank you for this, this passage and how it's a timeout and and how we see that you do love the world and you are calling the world to you for that final in that day. We thank you for your great love that you will heal us. You will continue to shape us Father, just be with us. Help us to to really follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and seek it daily and truly, truly focus on you and take that time to continue growing in you so we can grow and understand your big mission for us. We thank you so much for that. Amen.